This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 841, with Dr. Catherine McCarthy, Dr. Heather Tedesco, and Jennifer Weaver. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 841. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Dr. Catherine McCarthy, Dr. Heather Tedesco, and Jennifer Weaver are all mental health professionals who co-authored Raising a Kid Who Can, a simple but comprehensive how-to parenting manual designed for the post-pandemic world in which both threats and opportunities for kids and parents abound. Recognizing their readers' depleted attention and energy is in constant conflict with their desire to be guided by the most current evidence-based information and best how-to strategies when it comes to your kids and their mental health. They went ahead and created this book that what I personally love is made for skimming. It has art and graphics in it that make it really easy for you to consume different methodologies and different philosophies that you can immediately put into practice so that you remember them because like pictures makes things sticky in our brains. And also, I love that this book was designed to be useful at any stage of a child's life. The book devotes one short, impactful chapter per principle, including resilience, attention, self-control, psychological flexibility, self-motivation, compassion, and gratitude. The result is a new approach to parenting, where one takes a holistic approach to nurturing a child's development in order to 
help them get the the help that they need and also getting parents the right information that they need when they need it. I loved this conversation, but I love the themes in this book. As soon as I was approached about the book and about these lovely authors who I'm very excited about, when I saw the themes, I was like, this is an automatic yes, because I need these themes addressed in my own family for my own child's mental health. But I know that these are the themes that I feel like I'm constantly talking about right now with other moms in my own you know, local personal communities and circles. So I think you're going to learn a little something today. Listen in to hear Catherine, Heather, and Jennifer share their invitation to parents who embrace and stay in this age of adaptability without feeling chronically overwhelmed, the beauty of this age of adaptability that might feel exhausting for us, but maybe really great for our kids in certain ways, how to use a validation sandwich to help your child in a moment of struggle or unpredictability, how they formatted their book into a way to make it a guide that you can immediately put to use without having to read lots of chapters or even lots of paragraphs. (laughs) which was very appealing to me. The significance of knowing the what, the why, and the how, and how you parent in specific tricky situations, the 10 essentials of raising a kid who can, how to manage some of the paradoxes parenting often makes us feel where we're, we feel like we're getting it wrong, the three R's, rest, recreation, routine, and the problem with trying to fix your child's feelings. Oof. I really want to fix my child's heart's feelings. (laughs) So this is a good lesson for me. So with all that, please join me in welcoming Catherine, Heather, and Jennifer to the Shameless Mom Academy. Catherine, Heather, and Jennifer, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. You're here to break a record today by being, I believe, the first show with three guests. So I'm excited for this challenge, but I'm so excited to have you here. We're here to talk about your book, Raising a Kid Who Can. And I would love for each of you to just introduce yourselves quickly so that people can hear the voices of our three guests today and a little bit about what you're bringing to the table in in this conversation. So Heather, why don't you kick us off and then we'll go from there. Okay, great. I'm Heather Tedesco, and I am a psychologist. I have a PhD in social psychology, and I have a practice where I work only with parents. Nice. Thank you. And Catherine? I'm Catherine McCarthy. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist. That means I do know the medical part, went to medical school, and I have a great passion for teaching kids, parents, anyone who'll listen to me about why our brains do what they do and how it impacts, you know, our everyday. Love it. I'm all about the brain science. So fun and so fun and fascinating. And Jennifer. Hi, I'm Jennifer Weaver. I am a child psychotherapist. I'm an LCSW, a licensed clinical social worker, and I see children and adolescents and families. So my focus is coming from the child space into this group. I love it. I have to ask you, and we're we're already going off script. (laughs) I said at the beginning, before we started the interview, I'm like, we're going to stay really on script, three (laughs) of us, and we have to keep this organized, but I'm already going to go off script. And this is probably a question you're going to get a million times if you haven't already, but I'm curious, how did all three of you, did you have pre-existing relationships? How did you find each other in order to jumpstart the project of the very large project of writing a book together? 
Heather, are you going to go for it? Sure, sure. We do have long, long, decades long pre-existing relationships. We are good friends as well as colleagues. We often work together, uh, sometimes two, sometimes all three of us uh, to help families. And we have long uh, had ideas around, you know, kind of what resources we hear from families they wish they had. Mm -hmm. And then when the pandemic hit, that really kicked our ideas into action. And we felt, I think, like everyone else on earth, very hopeless and confused and wanting to do something uh, to help people. And we started meeting on Kathy's back porch. The beginning of this book happened all outdoors, like height of the pandemic. And it just sort of took off from there. And we began to see that this wasn't actually a pandemic book. This was the book that we had always imagined uh, would be great to write. Oh my goodness. I love that. Anyone want to add to the spark that started it all? <laughs> we call it the spirit porch. And um, sometimes we go back to get a little spirit again. And we really were able to support each other at that time. We were struggling. Families were struggling. Our clients and patients were struggling. We needed each other at the time, frankly. And we were really trying to figure out what we could say to families that was just boiling it down to the essence so that we could get as much out as possible so everyone could just feel better, do better, manage better. It was a little out of our own panic, but also out of our own need to support each other that the book came about too. So we have a little of that going on too. And also we're all parents ourselves and our kids are around the same age and supporting each other in all of that mm. because we were suffering too. Yeah. Can you all, and thank you for bringing up your own parent dynamic. And I love bringing in like, you're here with your professional hat on, but let's also talk about your shameless mom hat. So can you each share a little bit about your family dynamics just so that people have that in the background as well? And if you want to go ahead and start us, Jennifer, go for it. Yeah, I have three children, all young adults, 19, 21, and 23. And so we were uh, all sh shoved back in together during the pandemic, actually. But uh, this book actually is a good representation of a little bit how I feel about parenting, which is that uh, in the book, we each all have personal stories about times that we've actually struggled with our own kids, with our kids' permission. And because parenting is different, difficult and messy and that's okay. And it is for us too, even though this is what we do for a living. Also, I think that we've really learned from our own kids as our kids get older. We love how we've grown as people, mm -hmm. not just as parents from those relationships, which is really cool. I love that. It's so fun and weird to have young adults. <laughs> oh, my, I have my son will be 11 on Saturday and I'm like, so not prepared. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like I thought we I thought you were going to be six forever. Like how did we get here? <laughs> um, Heather, what about you? I have three kids as well. I have a 16-year-old who's in high school and then I have a 19-year-old and 21-year-old college students. Girl boy boy for me. And yes, as Jennifer said, I work with only parents. That's my whole life livelihood. And I always say it's not because I have this all figured out and I do it so brilliantly. I parent the best here in my office. I struggle at home too, but you know, I keep, I keep showing up and I keep trying. And like Jennifer said, uh, you know, every stage and age brings its own joys, but there is something really special about, you know, as they become old enough that you are out of, you know, sort of all of that day-to-day -day frenzy, it's quite lovely. Yes. Yes. I love it. I appreciate your admission that you parent the best when you're in your office with your professional hat on, because I think that like, same, I do my best work when I'm guiding others, not so much Other. guiding myself. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yes, I love it. Catherine, go ahead. 
Well, that would that's a fine little segue to me and <laughs> just really enjoying various shameless moms moments because in case this question was brought up, I was doing my I gotta look at what other people said things and, and just the, the human aspect. I was like, okay, I'm gonna like go unleashed here. And I, you know, when I finished, you know, my training, which took forever, there was a big move in, you know, even the field of medicine, like, okay, just stay home for a few years take care of your kids. You know, there's no rush. You can do a little, you know, practice stuff, whatever. And so I just was like, okay, I'm going to be staying at home full time. I'm going to take this, you know, and just, you know, keep, you know, just really take advantage of this. And, you know, had so much shame in figuring out over those years that everybody did do better for me with when I did work more outside <laughs> of our house and wasn't micromanaging, you know, the, the solution focus, controlling all these things that are, we talk about in the book that like to try to move away from the essentials were really tough for me at home. And so although I tried to create a balance, I can't say that I am not the model of that balance. And my kids could have a lot to say about that. I have two kids, they're, they're grownups. And that was part of my also reasoning of having the spirit porches, you know, they'd gone, they did come back in the pandemic, but then they went again and he's <laughs> filled with really great friends. And, but for me, there was such shame, you know, as a child psychiatrist and it, and even just like some, some things like I didn't like about that part of my life and yet feeling like I wasn't doing a good job. So it, it felt a little liberating to just get this question asked, but I have two kids that are grown from, you know, around this area. And I, feel such privilege in learning from parents, colleagues, and even writing this book, learn so much mm-hmm. things that I you know, screwed up, but things that I could do better and things how I can help with my parent practice. I love it that when the pros can admit they don't have it all figured out, yeah, <laughs> it gives We're other people human. permission to do the same. That's important, an important level of transparency. I want to talk about your readers and who you wrote the book for. So you challenge your readers to open a door to a new era, which you dub in the book, the age of adaptability. Can you expand on this age of adaptability? And I'm already like clenching because nobody signed up to be this adaptable. Like Nobody warned us. It's too it, much. It's <laughs> so true. Yeah. So this is Jennifer. And yeah, this really is a bit of an anchor for us around the book. One of the chapters is about building flexibility and adaptability with kids. But overarching, we saw so much anxiety and stress and need for control and certainty with our kids and families pre-pandemic. And you you're absolutely right. No one needs this much uncertainty. It was really painful. It is, continues to be really painful. And now we, and all these other new things, AI and climate change and all the things that are coming down the pike that feel like they're coming at just breakneck speed. But we think that the pandemic actually did us a weird service accidentally, which is that it forced us all to manage uncertainty and we determined we can survive. So if you'll think we had to answer our kids all the time when they were like, well, am I going to school tomorrow? And we would have to say, I don't know. Are we supposed to wear masks now? I don't know. Are we supposed to wipe our groceries? Well, last week we were, but this week we're not. And I don't know how, you know, having to do that 
that and having to live in this crazy soup of uncertainty for so long, we believe actually could be a real gift in disguise to our kids. That the generation that we're raising, these generations, because they've been exposed to so much uncertainty and they're used to it much more than we are and in our generation. They're not clenching like I am. They're not. That's right. And so we have to capitalize on this. Mm. We have to say, we don't want to re-clench them, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> and say, oh, no, 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 be scared now because we got to get back to control and certainty. Instead, we want kids that can roll. We want kids that can feel a difficult feeling and not get derailed, that can. Oh, our new mantra, we feel like, is, you know, that emoji lady that's in the purple that goes with the shoulder shrugging and the hands oh, out. It's one of my favorites. Back. I use it all the time. <laughs> this is literally our spirit muse, this weird woman, yes. this yellow woman, being able to respond to our children differently now in order to provide them a sense of we don't have to have all the answers and we can handle that we can handle that and that we as adults and parents really want to embrace this opportunity rather than shy away from it even though it's scary for us i love it this episode is supported by a podcast i want to share with you called understood explains so this is show is about navigating adhd dyslexia and other learning and thinking differences which can be so confusing and so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme so there's a season on special education there's a season on adhd diagnosis for adults and the current season is all about ieps i love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long so if you are short on time or short on focus you can take this content in super quickly easily it's very digestible and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert juliana utube so juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like 
a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. It's funny. I talk a lot about this age of adaptability that I'm putting in quotes because I'm still not fully embracing it because what I feel and what I feel like a lot of the women that I work with feel is that like our nervous systems weren't built for this. But to your point, maybe it's because we didn't have to do it when we were younger. So maybe our kids' nervous systems will be built for it because I feel like my nervous system is on chronic overload and also like waiting for more bad things to happen. And maybe our kids won't have... And I'm also realizing like I came from a background where every day was exactly the same in my life for years and years and years. I never changed schools. I never had a major transition. Like, so it set me up to be very easily traumatized by uncertainty. So you got it, man. That's exactly right. You understand perfectly. That's it. Yeah. Oh, I feel like I just had a good whole therapy session. there. (laughs) (laughs) And And that's right. Because we really do think these kids, I mean, these are formative years, right? Neurobiologically. And so we really do think these kids are not as traumatized. That's good. And we need to not, we need to not traumatize them. We need to lean into it too. And yes, Mm. we also have to be kind to ourselves because our nervous systems are not wired for this. And we are, we are struggling and suffering as adults. Yeah. Any tips as an extension of that question, like any tips, and we might be coming up on this in a little bit, but for parents who are struggling to embrace the age of adaptability, um, any pointers for us or like kids that might be struggling too with like chronic change or chronic uncertainty? One of our favorite tips is something we call the validation sandwich. And Mm. it's a tip for the kid, but it's actually a reminder for the parent. And we have an illustration in our book that involves bread and then some kind of in, you know, sandwich and lettuce and the inside and then bread again with the idea that you want to, that when your child is struggling, or frankly, if you're struggling a little too, that you really need to validate that feeling. You need to stay connected to that kid. You need them to know you get that they're struggling, that they're feeling, that the feeling is perfectly understandable, then inside is confidence, the meat of the sandwich. So validate, confidence, validate. So you might say, oh, John, I know you're so stressed out about this math test. It's such a big part of your grade. I know you can handle whatever grade comes your way, but man, I get why you're freaking out this morning. That's a reminder to us, too, that we shouldn't be fixing, solutioning. Oh, maybe, you know, try to cram a little bit before the test. No, no, no. Or, or don't worry, don't worry. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just, yeah, you're upset. You're going to be able to manage this stress. And I'm really with you. I love it. I'm already thinking of all the ways I can use validation sandwiches for myself and my <laughs> child. Just, just dating through today. Works great with your mother-in-law. <laughs> yes. All Husband. the things. Yes. Husband. 
And Sarah, I I was just going to say for for parents too, sometimes, you know, we don't have to choose something. We don't have to love uncertainty. Some Mm. of us are like people that really like structure and routine and that fits us well. And that's terrific. We just, I think, want to remember we're looking for balance as human Mm. beings. And if we steer too far in one direction, then that probably means we're, you know, limiting ourselves in a different way. And so, you know, I often will tell tell parents who say similar things like, oh, I just wish it made sense that uh, struggle brings growth and rarely do we ever choose to struggle. And we certainly don't choose for our kids to struggle. And yet the outcomes that we generally say we want can only be earned through, you know, some of that struggle. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love the permission to not love the process. (laughs) Yes. Catherine here. I'm I'm all for the less, you know, just fewest experiences ever. We're all going to get them. So we don't have to be, we can be like, okay, I can learn from this, but we don't have to be like, give me extra, you know? I mean, mean, it's like, we're supposed to be like, yeah, I'll make you stronger, but like, we'll be strong enough. We got enough uncertainty in life. It's like, we don't have to ask for more, you know, but we don't want to avoid. That's the main one I'm trying to say. Yes. Yes. I was actually just recording an episode on resilience yesterday and I was kind of mentioning the same thing. Like we want some opportunities to build resilience, but like not really big ones every single day. (laughs) (laughs) But when we get them, let's use them, right? (laughs) Yes. 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 I want to talk about the format of the book because I think this is really unique and helpful. And I have to use myself as an example. When my son was really little in the ages between like zero and three, every time there was some a struggle for something, of course, I would Google like how to do this thing or how to get through this phase. And then there'd be some book referenced and I would find it on Amazon and read all the reviews. I would get the book and it would be like 300 pages. And I was immediately just like, oh my God, I can't. But what I learned over time was that I don't have to read the whole book. I can just flip to the chapter I need that day. And I did a lot of that. So I have this bookshelf of parenting books that looks very impressive. And I've only read like one chapter out of all of them. But your book was really intentional around formatting so that parents could dive in, immediately engage with the content. And they're not like having to lay in bed and read really heavy content laden material in order to immediately get what they need out of the book and out of the resources that you share. So can you talk a little bit about the book, the format and the intentionality around that? Sure, Heather here. And you've hit exactly on it, Sarah. We too have very big bookshelves filled with lots and lots <laughs> of books. And, and you know, we've professionally read them, but as parents, we just want sort of quick tips, answers. We want to know why we need to do things, how to do them, all of the things. We sort of say, you know, this book is meant to be 10 books in one, you know, we sort of combed through all of those books, tried to pull out just the essentials. We didn't dumb it down. We're certainly, you know, not, we respect, you know, parents are really smart and looking for highest quality information. And so we were very careful to make sure that everything we said is incredibly scientifically valid. And yet we also wanted to create a guide in the spirit of a travel guide that you could drop in and out of, depending how much time you had, depending what your current interest level was, depending on what your current needs were. So we tried to make it incredibly flexible. You can flip it open to, if you have a particular concern, say your child is a little bit anxious, you can dive right into that essential. You can go even right into our tips that give you concrete strategies that you can test out tonight. 
in your house, or you can read it, you know, kind of from beginning to end and, you know, kind of view it more as like your parenting journey. And, you know, it will read differently to you depending on the age of your kid, depending on yourself. Um, So it really isn't meant to be read our book cover to cover, put it away and move on. It's hopefully going to be a companion that you can use as you want, how you want. I love that. Yes. And it's funny when we have, when books are set up like that, I think that we have takeaways that stick with us. I remember opening up how to talk. So kids will listen, how to listen. So kids will talk. I'm maybe getting that title backwards, but it's along those lines. And I remember opening it up to the first chapter, which is the only chapter I read, but (laughs) because it's a long book, but it was really good, really, really good. And I took one thing out of that book, 11 or like 10 years ago. And I still use it all the time. And so I think that when you can have something where you can dive in, you grab the bite-sized thing, you take what you need and you run with it. That's where you get the takeaways that you can really integrate quickly and easily. And also remember that. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And and we also put a lot of illustrations in the book for exactly that reason, helping to just see it and crystallize it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you see that sandwich that Jennifer talked about Mm -hmm. and it just, it clicks. Yes. And you all, well, and I brain science, I know, which is like your specialty and your love, Catherine, when we can see visuals of things, it does really help with, even if it's a visual of like, you know, in comic strip form or of a conversation being modeled, which is what I recall from um, the book I just referenced. But even when it's something that's just a little quick snippet, it's depending on how your brain works, but mine works this way that you can carry it and remember it for much longer. And that, I think that's a really intentional contribution to the book that is really valuable for all the ways that our brains work. Yeah, no, this is Catherine here. Yes. And that is precisely why we did that. And, you know, the, you know, Jennifer and Heather know that I showed them, you know, even though it's old, old from my bookshelf, the book that gets everybody through in med school, clinical neuroanatomy. So brain science, of course, antiquated mind, you know, a lot has changed because there's now MRIs. So it does like stamp. It's like, oh, that was that funny thing. And then that's that validation sandwich. That's the best colors. It is a great illustration for the sandwich too, which is like in your head, what you do. And so that's precisely it. Because during times of stress, you know, which is a lot of the times when you're raising kids. So in raising a kid who can, you talk about the what, the why, and the how. Can we walk through each of those? Because I think this is where parents can really start to get some value and some takeaways. Who wants to kick us off with the what, the why, and the how? Is Catherine here? I'll I'll just, I'll start with the why. Um, and that is really out of, you know, wanting, believing parents, you know, and seeing it every day, want to know why you're making a recommendation. So why are these essential? Why, you know, but why is doing this going to work? You know, if you're given a recommendation about that's not getting glucose levels down or cholesterol levels down, it's just because I'm getting older. So it's like, okay, okay. what it really does work is that, you know, what's the, you know, but more, you know, the science behind in a way that's not all, blah, 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 but just like basic stuff. People read these parents, these readers all over the country, no matter where they come from, your listeners, you know, just this can understand this. People are looking for answers. You're Googling, what do I do? You know, they want to know the why. And if you know the reason why and know that you can trust all these sources that we've made sure, because we're all people pleasers, we want to make sure every line is correct, is that we can know that why this is going to work, the reasoning for it. Because if you know how your brain works in action, know 
how the studies and the research, the science has proven this, that's like, okay, then this is worth my time to do or hassle or watching, you know, not being able to just in the moment swoop in and fix something. So that, that is the reasoning behind the why. If you know the why, then doing it, even when it's hard, then if you know it's going to work, you know, for such and such person or this situation, sometimes then more likely to do it and out of respect, you know, everybody wants. I love to. that. I was actually just having a conversation with someone yesterday about a decision they needed to make. And the immediacy of the decision was like, no, I shouldn't do that thing. It's just really hard right now. And so I, it probably would be fine if I didn't do it or didn't go all the way. And then we talked about like, okay, but we know that potential outcomes in six months, if you don't do this thing, and that could actually be kind of dangerous. And so is it worth like pushing through the next few days to, to do it? And it really shifted the conversation. Like, actually, yeah, I need to keep like stay the course because of that more long-term outcome and gain. And I think that sometimes that makes it easier to stay in the moment to your point, Catherine, when you know the why and you know, like, okay, there's like science and data behind this. So I need to like stay in this, even if it's not my most fun favorite thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. This is Jennifer. And with that, you totally nailed it around the idea of the answer to the why is often because we want to play the long game with our kids, not the short game. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time, we also sometimes just want to be able to take a nap, but I just want to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> And so then the what and the how fit with what Catherine was talking about with the why. The why is, you know, the science behind why we are recommending these things in short form, a couple of pages. And then the what is sort of what does each essential, so there's 10 essentials. So the essential of, say, uh, attention and self-control is an example. What does that look like in your family? What does it look like in your kid? And we have a way for to, for people to sort of self-evaluate, because that's another problem with parenting books, right, is that it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. We really want this book to be something that you could take a look at your own family, look at your kid, your kid, if you have more than one kid, your kids may be very different in terms of that essential attention and self-control. And look at yourself. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are you bringing to the table? That's kind of the what's going on in your family, what's going on. And are, and we help you evaluate for yourself a little bit. Are you kind of curious just about it? Or do you actually maybe have some concerns? And then the how is the meat of the book. And that are, we call them the plays for your playbook. And they are strategies and tips and tricks. And like Heather was saying, some you could just try tonight. And it really is kind of a choose your own adventure. It's not didactic. Every family is different. Every kid is different. There's temperament, there's bandwidth, there's age and stage. And so values, family values, you take what you're thinking, you're looking for, how you want to enhance things. And here are all the plays pick a couple plays for your playbook, see how it goes, experiment around a little bit. Often our tips are a little do less, not more. That tends to be a theme we found in our book. And a permission to do less, I think, is actually really helpful for modern parents. So yeah. that often is the, the how pieces of it that we find are really attractive to people. I love that. I think sometimes when we're in parenting moments, it's easy to jump to like the thing that today is really hard or the thing that we think we're messing up right now yes. is like the end of everything or like we've, the damage is so great that like now we've ruined, we have a permanent F in parenting. Mm-hmm. And so I think that being able to have and having confidence and having little things and permission to like make little, do try little things, do things, you know, practicing with one conversation, I think is really, really important so that we aren't always zooming out and looking at like, I've now screwed up 
my child forever. And instead looking at in any moment, I can do something a little bit different and that can have really big impact. And I know that that's something that I've really tried to embrace with my child over time is like adding just a little thing at a time and recognizing like, there's so many things I'm still getting (laughs) wrong. I mean, just yesterday I was like, no, Vinny, I don't want you to show me another baseball video of someone cheating in baseball. Like, I don't want to watch the seven minute video of it. And then I was like, oh my God, but it's like his favorite thing to talk about. And I totally just shut him down. And now I'm a bad mom and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So With all that, I would love to move into the 10 essentials because I want to give parents some of the meat of this. So our 10 essentials, as we said initially, we come from three different but complementary perspectives. And so, you know, Catherine brings this wonderful medical lens and Jennifer is this fantastic child therapist who spends so much time with these kids hearing things from them. And I come at it strictly through the parenting point of view. And so it was really I interesting for the three of us to sit down and truly for weeks and weeks, we sat and just talked about what from each of our perspectives are the biggest concerns for parents? What are the most important qualities we see for kids? What do we know from science? And really, I kind of we sort of wrestled with a lot of concepts and we felt uh, they did not instantly reveal themselves. But when they did, it was always like, yes, that's it. We sort of had to wade through some of maybe more buzzy terms and concepts that get popular. And we really tried to get to things that are foundational in human beings of all ages. And so when we found these, when we kind of came with our 10 essentials, we, even though we always envisioned this book as being one that people could drop in and out of, we also structured it very intentionally so that it it is a bit of a, a guide from, you know, kind of inward to outward. And so our, before we even get to the 10 essentials, there's a, a short and, you know, kind of snappy and energetic uh, little tour of the brain that gives people that neuroscience background to understand the tremendous opportunity that we have as our kids' brains are growing and molding and shaping. And then we dive right into our first essential. It's actually not a psychological one. It is, you know, the body, taking care of the body with proper sleep and routine and recreation, because we know that that has the biggest impact on mental health if we were only going to do one thing. And then we move into these very internal things around developing attention and self-control control and feelings, handling difficult feelings, tolerating anxiety, kind of bridging into a flexibility, being a little bit more flexible in both thinking and approach. And then we sort of move into things that are a little more, perhaps from a parent's point of view, behavioral, things like building independence and motivation, gratitude and compassion. We feel really strongly about in the research supports the importance of those and also resilience, as you mentioned. And then our final essential uh, came a little bit later, frankly. Our last essential is really for us parents to not to criticize and feel guilt and shame, but to recognize the intent, the immense power that we have on our kids' well-being by also tending to our own well-being. And so we really feel like your message is, is so in line with that idea that sometimes doing less for our kids and more for ourselves really, you know, that is an essential in our book. And then we wrapped it with just this little digital playbook because we kind of felt like we were doing a huge disservice, even though that's a big behemoth. We had some things to say about that too. So, yeah. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? 
Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. I love all those points. I love and I want to like dig into every single one. <laughs> Super deep. But I want to actually where you ended, I want to pick up with the parents well-being. I think that this part... I think we get really consumed with wanting to do right by our kids and we're so focused outwardly on them that we don't focus inwardly on ourselves. Also, it's easier to focus outwardly on this than to <laughs> dig into ourselves. And I was just having this realization a couple of weeks ago when I was noticing a response pattern that I have where I like, as I lose, like, I try to be like the super patient mom. I'm like, I'm being really patient and I'm being like, I'm labeling the things. And like, I see that you're hurting and I hear you and I all like all this validation. But then in my brain, I get to this point where I'm like, if he says it one more time, I'm done. And then I externalize that where I'm like, we need to stop now. Like we've given this enough time and attention. And I thought as I've interviewed different parenting um, experts, I thought, oh wait, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to help, help your kids feel like their emotions are never too much for you. Like you're always their safe space. So I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to have a cutoff line where like when you get to a 7.5, bye, like I'm out. <laughs> so, I've had to look inward at like, why is that my thing where I like get to a point in my patients where I'm like, here's the line today. But like, he doesn't know where the line is. <laughs> That's not fair to him. So why is it that I do that? And then what can I do to recognize like a huge thing for me was just recognizing like my line comes way sooner if I'm hungry. <laughs> and so recognizing some of those things. So can you dig into just a little bit more of that part of it and how we might be able to do some self-assessment in order to then support our kids in a stronger um, and more consistent way, maybe? Heather here. I was just going to say that the example you just gave, Sarah, of figuring out that when you're hungry, your line comes faster. To us, that's an incredibly valuable 
learning opportunity for your son as well as for you. And, you know, we're all innately human. And the more that we can show our kids our humanity, aka our failures, our mistakes, our shortcomings, the better we prepare them to accept their own. And it's only through accepting these things that we can actually release ourselves to grow them. And so it's we talk a lot in our book about these paradoxes where, you know, if we're fighting against something, then we're not able to actually move through it. And so, you know, we just think that for parents, we're all doing the very best we can. We all love our kids so deeply. And we are all imperfect beings that have our own needs. And the more that we can unmask ourselves, we sort of say, like, pull that curtain back and and show it to our kids and lean into it. And, you know, I am impatient today. I'm really sorry about that. But this is me right now. The more we can be human, the better we are helping our kids be human. I love it. I think Jennifer, were you also going to respond to that? Or was it Catherine? Catherine. So, one of you I could tell was going to jump in. Jumping in and putting out. But the, Heather just said there at the end, this is Catherine, is it just really allowing ourselves to be human. It doesn't mean like showing all our dirty laundry, you know, in front of our kids all the time and boundaries are important, but it's being human. And we all have, you know, decent days, some have total loser days. We don't know why. We don't have to explain ourselves all the time. But being able to think out loud and, you know, that we've been talking about baseball. I don't, I think I need more food than other people. I'm just reaching my max. I want to hear about this. I'm going to get some food. And then you're just going to remember this because I'm going to hear about this tomorrow. And when I'm having a better day, just being human. It's thinking out loud. Even if you think they're not listening, they're like, okay, she's not going to listen. I'm tuning out. But we're just talking about how we reason and so that we can be human in front of them and not explain ourselves like, oh, I stink as a mom, whatever. I can't do this. It's just... I'm maxed out. I want to hear this so bad, but I think I need some food because my brain needs food. And this is just a day where I need a little extra fuel. And then it's being human right there. It's because it allows them when they're doing that with their friends, with their spouses in the future, that they'll be able to mirror that as well. I want to go back to the first essential that you mentioned, Heather. I'm not going to word it as beautifully as you did, but it was around like one of the most important things being related to physical activity, I believe. Can you dig into that a little bit more and explain what that encompasses? Because I'm imagining it's not just like your kid needs to play soccer. (laughs) It's I'm imagining, but some people might think that like, oh, but my kid's not in a sport. What do I do? So I'm a big fitness person and it helps me manage anxiety and ADHD every single day. So I am also very much aligned with what you said with you making that just so essential. Um, Can you dig into that a little bit with parents? I can, but I'm actually going to hand this to Catherine, our medical doctor, because she speaks about this so well. Yeah, Go for it. You know, it's been so wonderful with working with Jennifer and Heather, because when I talk about it, I'm like, ah, I'm talking about the same thing, same thing. And like, remember, you said it's the most important, but again, you can't, since you can't make your kid exercise, you can't make them eat the lettuce. You can't make people. One has to be really wary about shame here. And that's where having the why. So we call them, get to be catchy, get it stick in the brain. The three R's kind of goes with roots, rest, recreation, rest, meaning sleep. Just it was easier with the R thing, recreation, exercise, play, being outside, movement, and routine, being structure and rhythm. And with that, you know, it, it sounds so simple, it's like, but if we could only change one thing, because not a, we can't just do every essential every day. It's not some perfect recipe. And some of us need one more than another at different times of our life. But if you can focus on just 
paying like just more attention to how could we slightly change one of these things as best we can in our setup? Not every day perfect, not 10 hours, not, you know, getting outside every single day. These are the things that give you the most bang for your buck because brain even though not a muscle has a lot of electroactivity and we can think of it that way gets tired too. And, you know, with the little neuroscience, little primer in the beginning, we talk about neuroplasticity and how the brain's molding, shaping, growing, and it doesn't just come out a certain way. Like we were taught when I finished med school, but really so much growth changed through all this adolescent period and even into our twenties. And so we don't have to be all anxious as parents, like, Oh my gosh, I didn't get enough of this B vitamin. It's going to not have enough neuroplasticity. Oh my gosh. But we can try to enhance those and focus on those things that seem so obvious. The sleep piece sleep is when we learn actually, when we memorize, when we get into our hippocampus, what's been studied during the day. So prioritizing it, but again, for ourselves too, we can't just be like, Hey, you get good sleep. I'm going to just be like, up all night doing this paper, you know, and exercise actually being one of the few things, you know, I think you just, I think you'll like this part. And I'm sure you know this part, but just is exercise in ways that even in kids who don't want to exercise, you have to do it with them. We have tips about that, but is one of the ways that sparks neurogenesis, even in older folks, even in humans, you know, adults, geriatrics with dementia causes neurogenesis to happen again, like starfish legs have been cut off and branching out and makes the brain thicker on MRIs, even in Alzheimer's. So there's huge power in the basics, in the roots. And that's why it's, it is absolutely first as obvious as it is. And the power, the sleep thing, you know, when the research on sleep started coming out and started going to these sleep symposiums, which sound very exciting, but they're just terrifying. And you just run out of there wanting to go to bed right away because of the enormous impact sleep has. Now, again, as a parent, when you have a kid that doesn't want to sleep, hard to get to bed, like, oh my gosh, it's going to be ruined. No, doing the best we can. Some people have different sleep cycles, but just putting more priority, we could all put more priority, a little more emphasis, attention towards the basics and doing our best or we're modeling it as best we can. I was just going to say modeling, the modeling piece is I think really important too. And that's like, oh, these, it's funny when, you know, my son's now 10. So he sees everything he's noticing. He's noticing that I get up in the morning and I work out. He's noticing that my husband gets up in the morning and work out, works out. Like that's the normal thing for him. I came from a family, like where my mom would get up and do stretches in the morning in the living room. And so I was like, oh, I guess everyone stretches on the living room floor every morning. Like we just, we think that whatever we see in our house, we think that that's what everyone does. So yes, modeling for sure, I think is um, really important. So I, even though sometimes we're like, oh God, I have to model this thing. <laughs> Jennifer, I want to make sure to touch in with you on anything that you want to talk about within those 10 essentials. We get your take if there's anything anything that's... Well, I love them all because they're essential. But one of the things I'd love to talk about and that we all do, but I have a particular focus because of the child piece and hearing from children all the time is the idea around, I see a lot of kids who want their feelings fixed. And mm -hmm. I see a lot of parents who are hoping that when they drop their child off in therapy, that we might fix their feelings. And so uh, one of the things that I think the mental health community actually, we owe an apology to everyone about is we were trying to do the right thing, but we talked a lot about tools in the toolbox of how kids could manage feelings with tools. And I think that's we're recognizing now that that's accidentally implying the feeling uncomfortable feelings, there's something wrong with them and they need to shift. Mm -hmm. So we talk a lot about having a different relationship with feelings and teaching your kids to have a different relationship with your feelings. For example, we talk about, and instead of fixing them, just tolerating them and finding you can move through. We have an illustration in the book that looks at feelings as a cave or a tunnel. And that a lot of people think of feelings, parents and kids, that it's a, like, 
uncomfortable ones. It's a terrible dark cave and you're going to feel so uncomfortable in there and you'll never get out. And what if you're trapped in there and there could be bats? Or you could see feelings like a tunnel. It's still dark. It's still maybe bats and scary and all the things, but you push through. You keep feeling and feeling and feeling it. Don't avoid the tunnel. Walk through the tunnel. And on the other end, actually, you're going to find your feeling has shifted. Things have changed and you didn't have to fix anything. We stress that so much. And that brings us back to that adaptability that we really want modern kids to be able to not be so afraid and think that feeling is wrong, but instead shrug the shoulder a little and be like, yes, this is painful and you can feel it and handle it. I think that's so significant and also, oh, so hard as a parent oh, to just yeah. like be like, okay, I guess we're just going to sit and be sad now. Yeah. <laughs> we have a little illustration of, we have a little illustration of a kid who got kicked off a team and then the dad's just sitting next to him and they're both looking at the boulder of pain and they just sit together and they're just together and there's no fixing and there's no reassuring and there's no pretending it's not a big deal. It's just like, dang man, ouch. Yeah. I actually witnessed that exact scenario play out in a sports situation last yeah. spring with a kid not making a team and watched parents sit with him for like an hour and a half on a sports field and just sit and hang out. And I was in, I was like, oh my God, that's how it's done. <laughs> like cancel the rest of your day. We're sitting here for an hour and a half. <laughs> It was amazing though. Oh my gosh. We're already at time, which I'm so sad with three people. We need to book like two hours. So I would love to know before we wrap, I would love to know in one sentence from each of you, how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. And then I'm going to go ahead and ask you where we can get the book and all the good stuff. So Jennifer, why don't you kick us off? Well, I will confess, I have started playing the piano again. I'm trying to learn Ooh. off YouTube. And I used to play music a lot when I was younger in like various scary ways. But I am practicing being terrible at it and being fine with that. And yes. that is my special thing is I'm really bad. I okay. <laughs> I love it. Getting back into piano is actually a goal of mine. And also like same thing. I haven't played since like the fifth grade. I love yeah. it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Heather, go for it. I got myself a Kindle last year and I have to say I always love to read but you know I got into those years where like I could barely get past an article at a time and yeah. now I'm getting deep back into books and just not caring what else needs to be done and just sort of diving right in and staying there. Love it. Thank you. Catherine. Yeah. Uh well mine is a little related to the book but the be a little fun surprise with other no I'm just kidding. But some of the, you know, with the book you're supposed to do social media, which we have feelings about, but so it's kind of funny that we're being encouraged to do it. It's like, don't do it. Oh, now we're gonna do it. And <laughs> with it, I'm doing some pretty what I consider very fun, weird things that when my kids see them are just, we'll see if they come home for Thanksgiving, but um, just having, <laughs> playing around with it and just getting ready to, to do something really different for a middle-aged woman and just playing. I love it. That's Catherine so made a hilarious Barbie video for our unboxing on Instagram. It's hilarious. They, they allowed oh, one of them up. They allowed one. That's, that's yeah. That's, You're welcome. <gasps> we will link to your Instagram in the show notes and then everyone can go watch yeah. <laughs> the Barbie unboxing. So where can folks get the book and connect with all your work? And we'll have everything linked up in the show notes as well. But where would you like us to point people? 
Well, the book is available now anywhere books are sold. So whatever your preference is, you can find all kinds of information about the book as well as links to purchase it on our book website, which is www.raisingakidwhocan.com. And we are on Instagram, as Jennifer mentioned, and you can find us there at a kid who can. And, you know, we still have our own day jobs. So we're there too. <laughs> I love it. And if you want to send me, if you have links to your own like personal work stuff that you want to send me, I can include that in the um, resources as well. Uh, if people want to reach out and connect with you about your one-on-one or whatever work offerings you have. <laughs> all right. This has been incredible. I want everyone to go get raising a kid who can, I think we've all gotten just a little snippet into how valuable and helpful this can be. So thank you all so much for what you brought to this conversation. It's really incredible to see three women who are friends embark on a professional journey together and then sitting in an interview, like smiling about it, being able to laugh with each other and also being able to create so much good and have impact in the world, not just with kids, but also with parents. So Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful to all of you for being here today. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.